It's like the most simple thing. Just press the button, please. <laughs> the computer says, no, do not touch it. <laughs> but anyway, it was always kind of cool for me to come on Sunday morning because it was so kind of different but so needed from the rest of my week. Because the rest of the week, you know, in the office place, we weren't singing, we weren't praying, we weren't hugging, we weren't fellowshipping. And, and so, but I, but I really needed kind of, I, like the song says, you know, my soul needed it. My soul needed to be able to come and just worship God, get some great fellowship in, get some time with the scriptures, and kind of set my heart and set my mind on things above. And have God sort of call me higher, so that I could actually be a kind of, kind of, fired up and strengthened actually to go back to my work week and feel like I had a little bit more faith, a little bit more pep in my step, a little bit more ready to go. You know, uh, it's been about six weeks since uh, Sue and I moved to Burlington, Vermont. And I don't know if it quite, I don't quite know if it feels like it's been like a long time or it's been just sort of like a moment. We just kind of woke up from a dream and here we are in Burlington, Vermont. But, um, but it's been such a, it's been such a joyful time for us. We have, we have just enjoyed it so much. It's, it's been amazing just getting to know, uh, really, I think pretty much everybody here and just getting meals together, hanging out at your place, hanging out at our place, you know, and just kind of getting around Burlington and, and sharing our faith with one another and, and talking about where, where are we going? What's God's vision for us? Who are we? You know, what, what kind of different, you know, roles and gifts and talents do we bring to this thing called, you know, building up our faith and building up one another and building up the church and bringing the good news of great joy to all people. And it's just so cool to be part of something so awesome, so like global, you know, so God. Because because it does kind of call us out of our sin. It kind of calls us out of our, our drudgery that sometimes life can, can, can become. And it fills up sort of that emptiness inside of us. And I just want to tell you guys how much we love you even just already. And, and how part of the family that we feel. And thank you so, so much for welcoming us, loving up on us, giving to us, um, you know, just um, taking an interest in us and letting us uh, kind of be a part of the team here. You know, God's got great things in store for us. We are going to be a part of building something great, something that glorifies God, something that we can all really feel a part of, something that we can all really feel exhilarated by. And, uh, and we, we don't have to do that, but we get to do that because Jesus really called us to that kind of life. And so, um, so anyhow, we are stoked about being in Burlington. You know, I did, when I walked in the house the other day and Sue didn't really, Sue didn't know who I was. She thought I was sort of a, a, a burglar kind of, you know, breaking into the house. <laughs> who is this old man walking around my house? And then I thought, you know, it, it might be kind of like, no, it wasn't about what I was wearing. It was my beard. It was kind of gotten all out of here. And it started feeling a little bit scraggly, a little bit too, like, gray. I'm like, who is this guy even looking in the mirror for me? And then, you know, when Mackenzie said, she, when she saw me on, on FaceTime, my daughter Mackenzie, yeah, wasn't like, yeah, the other Mackenzie's here in the room. But she saw me, she's like, who are you? And then she said she kind of got a little emotional later on after the phone call, saying I was kind of like sad, like, and I was, and I was talking to Bree about it because I wasn't quite sure what was happening, but my dad's getting old. And so anyhow, I was like, oh man. As much as I can sort of preserve a younger look, I think that's what I'm going to go with. And so, anyhow, I, I, I shaved. I shaved my beard. I actually got a haircut. 
And so I know that's not really in fashion among the men in Vermont at this, at this time of year, typically. But anyway, I went for it. I went to it. It's great to be together. We're going to have kind of a little training session today. And I'll kind of explain that as we go here a little bit. But I wanted to start off with, uh, with a prayer. Uh, we've got uh, an old friend here in town who's actually... You know, an old friend of Kyle kind of wanted to come again, sort of in this. We've had a little bit of an entourage come up to, uh, you know, through Burlington, as you might know, for Kyle and Emmy, just to, 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 to help us to sort of usher them onto uh, this next chapter of their lives. But I wanted to have ask uh, Eric to come up and pray for us, just to kind of set our hearts on, on, uh, on God this morning. Come on. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Eric Richardson, coming from Grand Rapids Church of Christ. I'm here for, for Kyle, um, my best friend, and Emmy. Emmy paid me to be here for Kyle, so um, <laughs> I'm glad to be here. But uh, let's, let's go to God. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this beautiful day. Um, I pray that we don't take any day for granted, God. Uh, we see the things that happen in the world daily. Um, help us just to appreciate uh, each other, love each other, and just invest our relationship with you, God. Um, I pray we're going to take, uh, take for granted waking up. I know I can think it's my alarm clock or um, my daughter, but it's it's you, God. Um, help us just to just to love one another, Father. Help us just be the light to the world, um, and help us just to have our minds and hearts open to your word. I pray you speak to the speakers powerfully today. Um, I pray that uh, the speakers do it for you and, and not for uh, themselves or ourselves, God. Um, I pray that we just continue just to fight the good fight, not to give up, and just trust in Jesus, God. We love you. Jesus, pray. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and get out our Bibles. Let's turn over to Mark. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine. Today we're going to talk about being faith strong, and we're going to talk about 15 ways to grow in your faith today. But I wanted to kind of introduce this time with uh, just a a few passages and, and talking about a few passages here. You know, what if I told you? That success in life has nothing to do with money. That it has nothing to do with position or possessions or popularity. What if I told you that true success in life has everything to do with God and with love and that you can have as much of those as you want? God has a massive storehouse of true riches and He wants to give you and me all of it. All of it. The only thing that's required of you and me, you guys ready for this? The only thing that's required of you and me is faith. Is faith. And I want to tell you a story that plays out in Scripture over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's the story, it's the simple story that where there is faith, there is miracles. Where there is faith, God shows up and does the incredible. Where there's faith, God shows up and does the remarkable. He does the extraordinary, and He does it every time. But you look at the great stories of the Scriptures, God was always willing to do it. God was always wanting to do it. God is an extremely generous God. Again, He has all the resources at His disposal. But what He requires from us is simply this. Faith. And faith is kind of like a muscle. 
Faith is kind of something that we got to be trained in because our sinful nature doesn't lead us to a place of faith. Our broken world doesn't typically lead us to a place of faith. The darkness that we're oftentimes trying to sort of sort our way through doesn't usually lead us to a place of faith. So we've got to go back to the scriptures. We've got to go back to the master of faith, Jesus, to realize, well, how do I grow in that crucial area? How do I really, how do I really, you know, work out that muscle, work out that aspect of who I am so that I can enjoy everything that God has for me? Look over in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27. It says this, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, I think you can make the, the, the argument that all of us are very blind. All of us have real veils over our eyes. All of us don't see, don't see everything. That we're blind to so much that God has for us. And so this could really be us. Not necessarily being physically blind. But being spiritually, emotionally, mentally blind to all that God has for us. And and so we need Jesus. We need God to help open our eyes to what He has for us. He needs to turn our our blindness into sight, into clarity. And so they're, they're, they're calling out to Jesus, Have mercy on us, Son of David. Did you ever notice in the Bible how it's kind of a combination of desperation and inspiration that gets people to Jesus? Usually when people are in that sort of, hey, I'm all set. I I got this. No biggie. I don't really need this. That they're not the people who come to Jesus. And so they're also not the people who get healed, and who get trained, and who get helped. But it's kind of that that combination. And who knows if it's 60-40, or 35-65, or 80-20, or whatever it is. But it's always a combination of of some real desperation. It gets us moving in that direction where we really are, are going to get the help that we need. So if you're in a desperate place this morning, that might be actually a really good sign. Yeah. That might mean that you're about to really come on to some change in your life. Because you're desperate. But also there's those parts of it that are about inspiration. And so they hear about Jesus coming through, and Jesus is an inspiring person. Jesus is talking about good news. Jesus is talking about... Flourishing. Jesus is talking about thriving. Jesus is talking about noble ideas and concepts. And so he, they, he comes through. And also Jesus is known as a very powerful man who can heal people, who can help people, who can raise the dead, who can uh, you know, heal the blind, who can heal the sick, who had compassion on people. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them, well, they came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this. Do you believe that I am able to do this? You know, there's so much power in belief. And if you look up the Greek word, it's a Greek word that's, that's also, it's kind of a, the root of it is, is pistis. And so it's also the root word of faith. It's also the root word of trust. Do you trust me? Do you believe me? Do you have faith that I can do this? That's kind of the question. That's the question that comes before the miracle. That's the question that comes before the exponential growth that can happen in our lives when we follow Him. But there's got to be that element of faith. And again, it's not always like a pretty faith. A lot of times it's sort of a winning, ugly faith. You're like, yeah, I have faith, I guess. I'm here. Can you please, can you please just take that as my offering of faith at this moment? But what do they say? 
They say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, they replied. And then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, it'll be done for you. It'll be done to you. And their sight was restored. Look over in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. There's so many examples of this in the scriptures. And we've got to get a hold of this. Jesus said, according to your faith, it will be done for you. You know, the world says, according to your intellect, it will be done to you. Or according to your work ethic, you just got to grind it out of work. You know, or according to your position, or according to your, you know, your educational background, or according to your looks, or all these kind of things, it will be done for you. Jesus is saying something totally different. Now, why should we listen to Him? Well, because He's the one who rose from the dead. He's the one who conquered it all. Yeah, we got awesome people today. We got the billionaires. We've got the, you know, the entrepreneurs. We've got the industrialists. We've got the, you know, the presidents and the leaders that have gone before us. But all those guys have died and they're still dead. They weren't able to overcome the thing that conquers everyone. But Jesus was. Jesus is the most successful human in the history of the world. He was the most filled with life. He was the most filled with faith, hope, and love. He was the guy who was thriving. He was the guy who was flourishing because he was doing it God's way. And so he has all authority, right, in heaven and on earth to come back and say, hey, I, I, I want to teach you a few things. And I've kind of got this, this sort of resume that kind of, you know, that kind of I think you probably should be impressed with because I've done a few things. I've I've accomplished a few things. And it's really kind of, guys, it's kind of a fool that doesn't want to learn from Jesus. I hate to say it. Because Jesus has got so much to teach us. But what happens with Jesus is that he takes us in a different direction than a lot of the stuff that we find on the internet. Than a lot of stuff we find in, you know, Success Magazine or what have you. And those things are good. Those things are great. There's a lot of good truths in there. But to really find life, we've got to go back to the big dog. We've got to go back to the master teacher, and that's Jesus. So look here in Matthew chapter 17. You know, uh, Peter, James, and John were just up on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was like a blow-away, like mind-altering like time. It was incredible. Jesus was transfigured. You know, they saw Moses and Elijah up there on the mountain. It was like this amazing experience. And in a sense, I think what Jesus was saying before he kind of started his his real sort of march to the cross, he was trying to, to, to trying to in a, in a sense um, impress and trying to inspire Peter, James, and John, who would become kind of the, the pillar leaders of of this thing that they were that this this revolution that they were starting, and he was trying to help them them to understand who he was, who he was sort of in his in his divineness. Who he was in his power and his authority. Who he was even before Moses. What would that have been like? If Moses showed up right here, Moses changed the world. Moses had had an incredible impact in the world. So Jesus says, hey, we got a guest speaker today, Moses. We got another guest speaker today. He's you know, speaking in his transfigured, you know, glowing white, you know, uh, you know, whatever form. We got another guest speaker. His name is Elijah. And so he's got these guys, and, and Peter, James, and John are like confused. Because it's such a moment for them. 
And so they have this time, they're talking and they're, they're sharing and they're, they're experiencing this thing together. It's something that they never forgot. In fact, in, in the book of 1 Peter, Peter is writing and he talks about the Mount of Transfiguration and what an impact it had on his life. But so there's always that time, though, where we've got to come down from the mountain. And we've got to sort of, you know, come from that, uh, that incredible spot where we saw it all and we felt it all. We're like, I want to I bring this back home. And so they were trying to do that, but of course, as they went down, came down off the mountain, what was in the valley? Trouble. True. Challenges. True. Adversity. Lack of faith. And so in verse 14, it says, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. There it is. That inspiration and that desperation. God, have mercy on me. I don't have what it takes in and of myself. And so he comes to Jesus and he's desperate. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Look what Jesus says. This is one of the places, we don't see this often, this is one of the places where Jesus starts to rant a little bit. As the trainer, as the coach, as the teacher, as the one who's been trying to help these guys actually be able to take care of this while he was away. Did you ever come back to work and the people that you put, you kind of delegated the work to them, are coming back, you come back to work and they're like, ah, we just didn't know what to do. You know, we got confused. And, and, so, and so nothing got done and you're like, oh man, I've gone, you know, I, I was really counting on you. And so that's kind of how he comes across right here. He says, Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Doesn't the world and doesn't our sin make us perverse after a while? We're not thinking right and we're we're not doing right. We get sort of twisted up. He's like, oh, unbelieving, perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of the boy... And he was healed from that moment. And then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? And I like this little sort of after-the-thing meeting. After-the-thing discipling group. Because they're talking real. And they're saying, Hey, Jesus, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we? We wanted to. We, 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 we thought we were doing the right stuff. We thought we were bringing what we needed to to the, to the party to this task in front of us, but we couldn't do it. Why not? And what does Jesus say? He replied, because you have so little, what, educational background? Your tactics are wrong? You should have said this when you said this? No, he said, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So, when I hear that, I feel a little bit overwhelmed. I feel a little bit like, okay, maybe that's for him. Maybe that's for Peter, James, and John. You know, maybe that's for somebody else that's got sort of that, whatever, those spiritual gifts of faith. But Jesus is speaking a truth to me, to Steve Schaff, that he wants me to hear. Because this is how to overcome any challenge. This is how to step up and face the demons that are coming at us. 
the adversity that's coming at us, the life that's coming at us, and to be able to rise above. He says the reason that you weren't able to really to, to, to do this is because you have so little faith. Faith is so important. Faith moves mountains. Faith overcomes the challenges. With faith, we can face any Goliath. We can face any mountain. We can uproot any mulberry tree and say, throw it into the sea and it will do it. But it takes faith. Even a small dose of faith is powerful. And oftentimes in the scriptures, God just takes that little teeny amount of faith and we just kind of show up with it and we go, ah, it's pretty unimpressive. Like that's what a, that's what a mustard seed looks like. It looks like a piece of dirt. You know, we go, ah, Jesus, it's, it's, I know it's not what I need. I know it's not maybe what I'm capable of, but it's all I got. And Jesus goes, amen. Let the party start. We can build on that. We can take that and we can go somewhere with that. You know, I think one of the things, uh, one of the ways you could describe Christianity, or one of the ways you could describe being a disciple of Jesus, walking with Him, being in training with Him, is simply being in faith training. It's courage training. Because what's the thing that takes out humans? It's fear. It's anxiety. It's worry. We get overcome by our sense of powerlessness. Because we are. In the, in the, in the, in the big picture, we're so powerless. We're so small. And there's times where we realize that. And we, we kind of want to give into that. And so we need someone like Jesus, yeah, who grew up in a small town. Yeah, like Jesus, who, who didn't have the degrees. He was just kind of the, you know, one of the kids that grew up in the neighborhood. But that conquered all these huge challenges. Spiritual, emotional, mental physical challenges who, who, who actually was tortured and crucified by, by the world. But then he overcame. And so we got to go back to him who really wants to help us out, who really wants to train with us. And we got to learn to have faith. We've got to learn and we've got to engage in becoming faith strong. Now one of the things I want to just say here just for a moment, and I'm not an expert in this, this at all, but, you know, some, I think, will come and say, you know, Steve, my, some of my issues really aren't spiritual. Some of my issues are more clinical or my, more biological in nature. And I think what I want to just say is I think that's, that's fine. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we get ashamed of sort of this need for, for help, whether it be mental, mental health or professional help or whether it be physical help. Or, you know, whatever kind of help that might be. And, and, and somehow it seems kind of unspiritual. I would suggest it's not unspiritual. It's just part of your comprehensive faith training. Right. And if you need medicine to kind of help you in that, that's great. That's fine. I'm, personally, I'm all, I'm all for that. It's kind of like Paul telling Timothy, Hey, Timothy, stop drinking so much water and drink a little wine for your stomach and your frequent illnesses. He could have said, hey, you just got to pray about it more, Timothy. You just got to have, you know, a more positive outlook, Timothy. But no, he said something about his diet. He said, hey, you know, and, and some people like, like to say, well, that's my verse for drinking more wine. <laughs> I'm, not that sure, I'm not sure that's what he was going for. But, but the idea is that, guys, it's all, it's, it's, the, the, the idea is us getting a plan to become healthy. To become healthy in 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 heart and soul and mind and strength. 
I would really encourage you, if you're, if you're, you know, on a plan that includes sort of a clinical approach to some of the things that you're facing, that's great. But don't now neglect the faith plan, the faith training. Do that as well. Do that too. And so the promise in that is we're all going to get better. We're all going to get healed. We're all going to get less broken. And there's a lot of places that that can come from. But I really want to, I really think it's important for us to major in Jesus training and in faith training. Because he faced it all. He's going to give us wise, compassionate, gentle, and humble counsel. He loves you. He loves me. God loves us. God has a great plan for us. God created us for greatness. And he knows how to develop that in us. He knows how to bring that out. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to go through a little bit of a worksheet. You guys like worksheets? So a little bit of hesitation. Just a little hesitation to answer that question. We're going to do about some worksheets. I know Crystal loves worksheets. Worksheets are flying when you're over here with God. Okay, you guys ready? We're going to workshop it up here a little bit. Now, I know I feel insecure right now because I know this is not going to be as good as Crystal over at Middlebury College. I was so impressed. We went to like a workshop of hers, you know, called Midcore. I, I was so impressed. Crystal, you are amazing. You are incredible. And, and she was, you know, she's directing it. She's, you know, doing all sort of the behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, and inspiring, and training, and educating. And that's kind of her side gig over at Middlebury College. That's not even like her, her main gig at Middlebury College. And so anyway, I'm not going to live up to that, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try and learn. So guys, 15 ways to grow in our faith today. So the question comes, right? So we talk about faith. And a lot of times we hear, you need to have more faith. You need to have more faith. Have more faith, bro. Have more faith. You know, whoever that might be in front of us. And I think a lot of times we, we don't get practical enough with that. And so we're kind of hindering. We know we need more faith. We know how important it is. But we need some kind of practical steps that we can kind of, that kind of resonate with us to engage kind of in the training. It's kind of like physical training. You know, you can see a hundred ads on TV about getting to the gym. But it takes sometimes a different kind of connection for each one of us to actually go to the gym or to actually become active in the way that we need to. That's going to help us physically. And so that's what, how Jesus, how God is really trying to come at us. He's not kind of coming at us in one way. He knows who you are. He knows what you respond to. He knows how you're wired. And so he wants to come at you with not just 15 ways, but we could write up another 100 ways. 
And you might want to do that. You might want to come up with your own worksheet where you're coming up with your own hundred ways to grow in your faith at this time in your life, at this season in your life, with these circumstances in your life. Well, let's just go through a few of these. So, thanks, babe. According to, your, according to your faith, it will be done. Faith makes all the difference. Our faith moves God, it moves mountains, and makes miracles possible. Matthew 17, verse 20. It heals us, makes us well, even saves us. Jesus in these passages says, Your faith has made you well. It's not the person next to you's faith. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. And he, and he, and he said it specifically to the person that may not feel very powerful in and of themselves, but Jesus is saying, no, your faith did that. No, your faith did that. And if you can just build on that faith, think of all the other things that are going to happen in your life, because your faith is growing. And your faith is, is flourishing. So the first one, it says, practice the following fun and simple exercises to grow in your faith today. The first one. Okay, so who wants to stand up and read the first one? Today. And yes, Margaret, thank you. Come on, Margaret. Get your groove on. Get your groove on. <laughs> no, please. Drop it again, Margaret. So let's read that one too. I'm going to turn to Psalm 118, verse 24. And you're going to be, some of you are going to be the next to read some of these passages, but I'll read this first one. Psalm 118, verse 24, what does it say? It says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Guys, congratulations. You've been given a brand new day. What are you going to do with it? There's so much that we can do with this day. God has created it just for us. So get your groove on, man. You know, sometimes when Margaret shares, I'm like, that's like the coolest trauma surgeon I've ever met. I didn't know trauma surgeons were like that. Anyhow, you inspired me. Okay, who wants to stand up and read the next one? Yes, Carl. Enjoy daily Thanksgiving feast. Take a few minutes daily to joyfully express thanks to God for just some of the many blessings that you have received. Okay, so if you're feeling like your faith is low, if you're feeling like you even came in this morning kind of going, I'm not quite sure about my faith. I need, some, I need a little bit of boost. I need a little, not five-hour energy. I need a little bit of, you know, five-hour faith right here to kind of get me through, get me moving. Who wants to read Philippians 4, 6 about enjoying a daily feast, Thanksgiving feast? Anybody want to stand up and read that one? Yeah, Zach. Take a few minutes daily to joyfully express to God. Uh, I'm sorry. If you can just... Keep, you got it. Great job, Zach. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and decision, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Yeah, that's one of my theme passages. Don't be anxious about anything. And that still challenges me to the core. It's so easy for me to get anxious. He says, just pray. And don't we see that in Jesus' life so often? He just went and prayed. A lot of times, guys, when you don't know what else to do, just pray. When you're not quite sure how else to face it, just talk to God. 
And, uh, and chances are he's going he's gonna to help nudge you towards a more faithful, more faithful place. So enjoy a, thanks, a daily Thanksgiving feast. Okay, someone go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Who wants to read that one? We'll read that in a second. Katie, awesome. But first, why don't we get your, why don't we get your, your, um, your faithful friend? <laughs> to go ahead and read the, yes. Let the good times roll. Come on, Ryan. This is yours, bro. This is yours, bro. Uh, remember God's miracles and blessings. Dwell on them. Celebrate them. Let them roll around in your mind. Write them down. Talk about them. Eagerly expecting hope that there are many more good times to come. Philippians 1.20. Yes. Which is... Do I have to stand? Yes. No. Okay, please stand. Please stand. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Wow. I eagerly expect and hope that Paul had that kind of expectancy that his life was going to be used for something important, that God was doing something great in him. And, you know, it's so easy, I know, for me to sometimes go, wow, the good times, they're really good, but I'm not, like, I kind of almost feel like I used up my good times. Like, God might not have more good times for me. It might be, like, bad times because a lot of the stuff has been good in the past. And so I kind of get in this place where I'm like, oh, man, maybe all the good times are used up. But no, that's not the case. God has got even greater things, even funner things, even more exciting things for us. Let the good times roll, man. God wants to make them happen. I think the other thing, part of this too, is so often we're tempted to, to with all the good things that have happened, to focus on all the bad stuff that's happened. And when we focus on the bad stuff that's happened, oftentimes, what does that produce? It kind of produces a, 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 a negative mood. It produces kind of, you know, us kind of living through that again. Bringing that into our present. Bringing that into our future. And so, yeah, let's learn from the bad times. Let's, let's, let's process through the emotions of the bad times. There's some, there's some real growth opportunity there. But let's not focus on it. Let's kind of focus forward. Let's let the, the good times of the past fuel us on to the good times of the future. Maybe that's the one for you today. Maybe that's the one for you. Okay, who wants to read the next one? Peter. Go all supernatural. Yeah, this is Peter's. This is right here. God is spirit. His answers to your prayers may be blessings that you can't see right now with your physical eyes. See and believe in your spirit that God is working for the good. Mm. Know that by God's grace, if, if it's not what you hope for, it's something better. Yeah. Mm. So who wants to read John four twenty three and 24? Anybody want to stand up and read that one? By faith. You can, maybe you do this. Yeah. Anyone want to stand up and read that one? John chapter 3. Thank you. John chapter 4. Yep. That's it. Yeah. 23 and 24. Okay. God is spirit. So God is working in spiritual, supernatural ways. But a lot of times we, we don't even have the bandwidth to really understand or consider. But in a lot of ways, it's just really trusting God with how He's working in our lives spiritually. You know, in Romans 8.28, I'll read that one. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to, our, to His purpose. 
You know, God is working for for the good in our lives. And it's, and it's something that we've got to kind of get into our hearts. So let me ask you right now. Because it's easy at this point just to kind of go, wow, this is a lot, man. This is a lot of scriptures, a lot of reading. And it's, hard, it's a little bit hard to focus. So I want you to kind of think through this a little bit. What's kind of, what's kind of standing out to you? What's kind of sticking a little bit? How is God trying to speak to you? Because we all need more faith. We all need to overcome our fears. We all need to overcome our worries. And God really wants to help you, not just in sort of a theoretical way, He wants to help you in a really practical way. But here's the thing. You and I must take total responsibility for our lives and for our faith. Because Jesus, when He points it out, in each one of these situations in the the Gospels, He's saying, your faith is the key. It's not God's faith. God has plenty of faith. It's not, you know... Someone else's faith. It's your faith. And so here's the thing. One of the things that's so difficult about life, and I wish it wasn't the case, but it is. I gotta take total responsibility for me. And for my practice. And for my putting into practice the things that God is talking to me about. It's my faith that's at stake. It's my faith that's the key. And so for each one of us, we gotta take personal responsibility for that. And you can wait for the day where that's easy. You can wait for the day when that's convenient. But I hate to tell you, that day ain't coming. It's probably even going to be tougher tomorrow than it is today. It's probably going to be even a little bit... You're going to have to dig yourself out of a little bit of a deeper hole if you wait till next week. Start, Stop digging the hole and start working on these things in your own personal life. Now, you don't have to do it all. But just choose one or two. And start growing in your faith. Start training in your faith today. Okay, this next one. I'm going to read it. Leave muddy shoes outside. Growing up, my mom had a strict rule. Maybe your mom had the same rule. No dirty shoes in the house. Have the same rule in the home of your heart. No muddy, dirty, faithless attitudes allowed. Get out of here. They only leave a mess. This rule applies to negative thoughts, resentments, and limiting beliefs as well. Take them off. Not in this house. Colossians 3, 1-10 talks about set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Is it easy? No. you got to work out that muscle. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm training for this Olympic triathlon. You know, um, Olympic whatever distance triathlon in the end of June. I'm scared to death. And it's good for me. Because it's pushing me to get into the gym every day. It's pushing me to get on the bike every day. It's pushing me to get into the water. Because I don't want to drown. I don't want to get to the middle of this thing and be the guy who didn't prepare. And so he's on the, you know, he's, he's in, the, in the medical tent all day. I want to be ready for that thing. But I've got to prepare little by little. Am I happy with my progress so far this year? Not really. I wish there was more. I'm working on it. But I know it's just step by step. Have I made progress this year? Absolutely. I've made a lot of progress because I've been just committed to the process. I'm committed to the path. I'm committed to the daily. And so I'm making progress. And what I found is this. The first time I did a sprint triathlon, I started by just saying, hey, I'm just going to sweat every day. That was my goal. So I started there. And then about, and then I was getting into the gym. I was getting into the pool more. But six weeks in, believe it or not, I'd seen no progress. It was like I was still, I still weighed the same. 
I still was like, oh man, is this even worth it? I know I'm going to drown in this thing. And I was just sort of worried in a lot of different ways. But it's so interesting, because about six weeks, seven weeks in, it started to kick in. And it started to get easier. I started to get a lot more fit. I started to get a lot more healthy. And what I realized from that is, is it's, it's, it kind of goes in sort of ebbs and flows. But the important thing for me is i got to be committed to the daily. So let me ask you, are you committed to the daily? Jesus said, no one comes after me without taking up his cross daily and following me. And we're not going to see the benefits a year from now, or a week from now, or six months from now, if we're not committed to the daily. If there's anything we do today, commit to the daily. Commit to the daily faith training. Change the channel. Listen to this one. We all have the ability to change the channel of our thoughts and attitudes. Decide to watch and listen only to faith channels. Then watch as love, joy, peace, and patience flourish in your life. Good stuff in, good stuff out. I never forget a time when Nick was a little baby that he uh, was taking a nap. And typically after his nap, he would start to cry because he was hungry. And so he started, he, so he was napping. We knew he was awake because he started to cry because he was hungry. But then he stopped crying. And so that kind of, oh, what happened? You know, as a, as a, as a parent, kind of like, hope he's okay. And so, you know, he's upstairs in his crib. And so I grow up and I go up and as I'm getting a little bit closer to the crib, I hear this little sucking noise. Because Nick was hungry. So I come, come around the corner and look in his crib, and Nick is sucking on this little elephant's tail that he had in his crib. And so I'm thinking, you know, so I come around and I'm going, so that's why he's quiet. Because for a moment he's sort of satiated, because he's getting the feeling that he's sucking on something that's actually going to give him nourishment. But of course, three seconds later, he's crying again. Because there's no nourishment in an elephant's tail. <laughs> and oftentimes it's funny because we're, we're sucking on elephants' tails and we're not going to the source of strength, which is God. Okay? So we're, we're looking to some things that we shouldn't be looking to for sustenance and for nourishment when... There might be even a little sense of satiation there for a moment, but here's the thing. It's, it's not real. It only lasts for a moment. And actually, typically, those things just get worse and worse as we start to rely on them more. And so we've got to go back to the true source, true source, which is God. Plan for joyful success. Make exciting plans and goals. Now envision what it will feel like when you succeed. Jesus overcame the extreme challenge of the cross by envisioning the joy set before him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And we're going to finish with this one. And we're going to enjoy some communion together. Because this is Jesus dealing with his challenges. This is Jesus dealing with his life. This is Jesus taking up the cross and following God's direction for him. And we know that when he was in the garden, what was he saying? He said, God, everything's possible for you. If there's any way, please make this cup, this responsibility pass, this pain. And it didn't just go right away. Sometimes you pray to God and the pain doesn't go away immediately. The challenge doesn't go away immediately. 
It didn't for Jesus either. The people around him were falling asleep. The friends he was relying on weren't coming through. And so Jesus had to figure out how to go to that next depth of the well with God because he had a huge challenge that was facing him. And so what did he do? He prayed. He went back and he prayed for an hour and he went back and prayed for another hour. He prayed for another hour and it looks like he actually went back and prayed for another hour. Prayed for three hours in the garden. How many, time, how many hours in prayer should it take for us to work through some of the stuff that we're facing? But the challenge is for a lot of us, for me included, is sometimes I'm just not willing to pay that price. I'd rather fall into the sin and sort of, you know, kind of, kind of limp along in my life. And I would rather really be able to overcome because I'm willing to hang in there and get those roots deep. Get those, dig those roots down deep. Down to the source. Down to the water. Down to where there's real power. And so that's what Jesus did. But part of that, <clears throat> part of the reason he did that, it says here in Hebrews chapter 12, it says it was because of, of you and of me. It says in, in chapter 12, it says, um, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus did it. Jesus didn't just talk about faith. He he lived it. He modeled it. And he modeled it for us. You know, sometimes it's just looking forward to that thing that we're striving for that gives us the faith that we need to keep going and to persevere. And to, and to keep moving forward. And, and for Jesus, I think that was a lot of things. I think there was a lot of satisfaction for him in, in, in accomplishing the goal that God had given him. The, accomplishing the work. He did it. He finished it. He didn't just try. He didn't just kind of, you know, go for it and sort of make excuses. He finished and did it. And I'm sure there was a great sense of accomplishment there. But then there was also you. And there was me. And there was the people he loved kind of at the end of the finish line. I've got to finish. I've got to keep going. Because there's a joy there. There's the joy of reconciliation. There's the joy of forgiveness. There's the joy of us coming together. Of us breaking the chains of sin and of darkness. And finally we're going to be together. This thing's going to happen. And so Jesus endured the pain of the cross for the joy set before him. Sometimes that's the only thing that gets us through. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize and keep moving, keep believing, keep having that faith. Yes, God will come through. You know, it's interesting because the second day of Jesus' death, there was silence. So Jesus dies on a, on a Friday, and Saturday there was nothing. It was silence. And I, and I wonder... You kind of wonder what was happening in that time. What was going on? But, but there was nothing. There wasn't the trumpets. There wasn't the parade. There wasn't the celebration. And I, and I know that everybody wondered, is God going to do what he promised? And is God going to come through? And isn't that how we are when we go through those times of silence? We're giving it all. We're going for it. We're having the quiet times. We're reading the scriptures. We're... We're really striving to have faith, but then there's silence. And it feels sometimes like God isn't coming through. And it's so important for us to remember Jesus 
raised from the dead. You know, that power is, is available to you and to me. But we've got to engage with the greatest trainer of all time. And that's so much of what communion is about. It's us, it's us thinking a little bit more deeply than just sort of that casual thought, you know, through the week. Thinking a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more focused as we take that juice and we take the bread and we think about the greatest one of all time. And we think about what he went through for us. That's how driven he was by his love for us. That's how faithful he was when he was faced with all the challenges that he faced. And let it inspire us. It's not meant to shame us. It's not meant to say we're less. It's meant to really inspire us that how valuable we are and how much God really loves us and how much God really believes in us and how much he is really, he's going to do anything it takes to come across enemy lines and rescue us. Yeah, again, and that's okay. That's okay. He's coming for us. And there's nothing that's going to stop him. But let's think about Jesus. Let's consider him. Let's talk to Jesus about really engaging with him in a fresh way um, in terms of our own faith training. Because, guys, there's a lot of storms coming. And there's a lot of walls coming. There's a lot of difficulty coming. I don't need to tell you that because we know it. Life's hard. But if we have the faith, we're going to be able to overcome. And we're going to be able to have victory and we're going to be able to thrive even in those situations. So let's pray. Let's talk to God. Let's thank Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we do believe. (laughs) Help us overcome our unbelief. God, so often we doubt. So often we wonder. So often we we settle. And Father, uh, for that we apologize. God, we, we want to be men and women of faith. Father, thank you for all the ways you've blessed us. God, thanks for all the ways you've inspired us to be men and women of faith. Father, thank you so much for all the men and women of faith in this room. There's so many stories. There's so many victory stories. There's so many exploits. Uh, There's so many things that we could share about that that, that you've done for us, Father. But sometimes they seem distant. And Father, we we need to go back to you for fresh faith. To become faith strong. Father, help us all to engage. Father, help us all to have a moment, even now, with Jesus, the, the, the author and the perfecter of our faith, that, um, that really is wanting us to come and, and learn this crucial quality, this crucial, um, this crucial aspect of life from him. Father, thank you so, so much for Jesus. Jesus, thank you so, so much for being our hero, for being our champion. We need you. We love you. And we thank you. We do pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.